text for this morning's sermon is Ephesians 6, the verses 10 to 12. Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, when Eve was tempted in paradise, she experienced a serpent talking to her. The serpent questioned God's promises and caused her to doubt God's love and faithfulness to her. The serpent presented her with a temptation. Eat of the tree and your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When we read this passage, we know that it was Satan tempting Eve. But did she? Satan came in the form of a serpent, who he was, and what his intentions really were, were hidden from Eve. Satan is a master of disguise. Often he attacks us without us really realizing that he is behind the temptation or attack. Take the situation of that righteous man, Job. Job 1 and 2 tell us about what happened behind the scenes. We know that Satan went prowling to and fro upon the earth and that God spoke to him about how Job was a blameless and an upright man, one who feared God and who shunned evil. Satan claimed that Job only served God because God made him rich. And so God allows Satan to take away Job's riches and later to take away his health. But Job didn't know this. Job faced extreme hardships and adversity. His wife told him to curse God and die. His friends accused him of some hidden sin in his life. He didn't understand why all these terrible things were happening to him. Again, Satan was working quietly in the background. Yes, there was indeed a great battle going on for Job's soul. But Job didn't realize how or why he was being attacked. In many and various ways, Satan attacks us in our lives. And most of the time, we don't even realize he's at work in our lives. One of the ways in which he attacks is by tempting us to sin. He uses our sinful nature with its evil desires. 
He uses this sinful world with as many temptations to try lead us astray. Satan often uses false philosophies and teaching to distort our understanding of God or of his will for our lives. If he can get us to believe his lies, he can lead us into sin. Satan is called the accuser in the Bible. He loves to remind us of our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our unworthiness. He creates feelings of guilt and doubt and anxiety to rob us of the assurance that we are God's dearly loved children in Christ. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 says that Satan often transforms himself into an angel of light. He disguises himself so we don't recognize him. He likes to operate from a position of stealth so he can attack us unawares. The Bible is very clear about the fact that he is a powerful enemy. Many times the Bible uses the imagery of conflict and warfare to describe the spiritual battle that we're engaged in. It speaks about how the Christian life is a struggle. It speaks about how the desires of the flesh wage war against the soul. It calls us Christian soldiers. It encourages us to fight the good fight of the faith. And many Christians are unaware of the fact that we're fighting a spiritual battle. Somehow we're blinded to Paul's teaching in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Paul writes, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that's other people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul makes it clear that there are rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm that are arrayed against us. He calls them cosmic powers over this present darkness and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul calls us to be aware of the spiritual warfare we're engaged in to fight the good fight of the faith. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Stand strong in the Lord in the midst of your spiritual warfare. We'll consider the devil's schemes, Christ's victory, and our calling. When God first created this world, he made it perfectly. God was ruler over the world. He made man in his image to have dominion over the earth. Yet with a fall into sin, this changed. God cursed man for his, for his disobedience. And man lost much of what it means to be in the image of God. The Lord allowed Satan to become the prince or ruler of this world. And he gave man the promise that the woman's offspring would crush Satan's head. We know that Satan was involved in the temptation of Adam and Eve in paradise. 
but we don't often give much thought to where he came from. Satan and his evil spirits were at one time angels. Angels are spiritual beings created by God. Although Satan and his evil spirits were created good, they rebelled against the Lord. Isaiah 14, the verses 12 to 15, describe how Satan vowed to make himself like the Most High. He was not satisfied being a servant of God. He wanted to be like God. And so he led a rebellion in the heavenly hosts. The result was that Satan and his demons were cast out of heaven. They came to reside on this earth. We don't often think about the fact that this world was given into Satan's hands. Yet this is clearly the case. Jesus spoke of Satan as the prince of this world. John writes in 1 John 5 verse 19, 19, We know that we are children of God, and that this whole world is under the control of the evil one. In Job 1, Satan is called to give account of his activities when he appeared before the Lord. He said he was roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter warns us, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The fact that Satan had dominion over the earth is also clear from the manner in which he tempted the Lord Jesus. Matthew 4, verses 8 to 9 says, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. The amazing thing about this temptation is that Jesus did not deny that Satan had the right to make this offer. Jesus recognized it was a genuine offer Satan had the right to make. Satan was offering Jesus a chance to win back the world without going to the cross. The thing we need to understand is that Satan is the prince of this age, the ruler over this dark world. Somehow, people are totally unaware of the fact that a battle is being fought over our souls. We don't realize that one of our sworn enemies is the devil and his host of evil spirits. Somehow, we've been blinded to this. In some ways, that's not surprising. We live in a natural world. We are physical beings. The Western world puts much emphasis on what is material and often neglects the spiritual. Further, Satan and his evil spirits like to operate in the background. He prefers if we are unaware of the fact that he's at work in this dark world. Yet the fact that we're involved in a spiritual battle is clear from the many times the scriptures warn us against Satan's attacks. Ephesians 4.27 warns us not to give the devil a foothold by allowing anger to dwell in our hearts. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 warns that some will abandon the faith and follow 
deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. James 4 verse 7 tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Revelation 12 speaks about how Christ won the victory over Satan through his death and resurrection. And about how Satan has been thrown down out of heaven. Yet John warns, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. In our text, Paul encourages us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. His goal is that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What does Paul mean by that? How does Satan scheme against us? How does he try to lead us astray? To answer these questions, we need to know something about the character of Satan. Jesus spoke about who Satan is in John 8, verse 44. Jesus was addressing the Jewish leaders who hated him and who wanted to kill him. He said, you are like your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. From this, we see that by nature, Satan is a liar, a deceiver, a manipulator. Already before the creation of the world, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be in control. Satan's goal is to dominate and control as many people as he can. He uses lies and deceit to do so. And Satan is not a benevolent ruler. He doesn't want the best for those under his control. Jesus calls him a murderer. He seeks our destruction and death. So how does Satan go about his work? At times his attack can be very direct and powerful. On Israel's journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, Satan used the nations along the way to try to destroy God's people. In the book of Esther, we read of how he tried to wipe out God's covenant people through the actions of Haman. He used King Herod to try to destroy God's son who came into the world to save us. In history, we see that Satan often uses outright persecution to turn God's people away from him. That still goes on in the world today, especially in places like China, the Middle East, and other countries where the influence of Islam is strong. In many countries of this world, Satan still enjoys great success with idolatry, witchcraft, and superstition. If you can hold people in fear, they will remain in captivity to him. Satan has often attacks Christ's church through false doctrine. He has shipwrecked the faith of many by making them doubt that God is creator of the world. Or by making them question if it's really possible that Jesus rose from the dead. Many churches have been split because of fights about whether or not it's loving to disallow 
same-sex relationships among members or even among church leadership. Very often, Satan's attacks are directed against our hearts and our minds and our wills. How we live is a result of how we think and feel and of the desires that live within us. If Satan can influence what lives inside of us, he'll also gain mastery over what we say and what we do. I want to repeat that to make it absolutely clear. Satan often first attacks our hearts and minds and wills by controlling our thinking, our emotions, and our desires, that he gains mastery over us. Satan influences us by planting wrong ideas and thoughts in our minds. In Romans 12, verse 2, Paul commands, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what the will of God is. The reason Paul speaks about mind renewal is because Satan so easily builds strongholds in our minds. He uses the music of our age to plant within us spirits of rebellion and of lust and of desire for control. TV ads teach us we can purchase happiness by buying all those products displayed before our eyes. Hollywood normalizes premarital sex, adultery, alcohol and drug abuse, taking away many of the taboos that used to exist in our society. Satan knows that if we think these ways of living are normal, or that everyone's doing it, we're much more susceptible to fall into temptation. Satan uses our emotions. In the Bible, he's called the accuser. He loves to highlight our sins and shortcomings to create feelings of guilt, of shame, of unworthiness in us. If he can make us feel like we're bad people, he accomplishes two purposes. The first is to make us feel unworthy of God's grace, unsure that God could love someone like me. The second is that if we're no hopers anyways, it doesn't really matter if we continue to live in our sins. Satan sells the message that Everyone has the right to a little happiness in this life. It's okay to cheat on your time card because your boss makes lots of money anyways and he doesn't pay you what you're worth. What's wrong with doing a cash job? The government takes way too much of our money in taxes already. We justify watching porn with the thought, I'm just watching a screen. I'm not hurting anyone. We think it's okay to drink too much or to use drugs because, well, these things help me relax. Satan also uses our will. Scriptures speak about the spirit being willing, the flesh being weak. Satan uses every trick he can to make our will subject to the flesh 
instead of the other way around. If we're subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if we're led by the Spirit of God, we will be in control of our fleshly desires. But too often we lack self-control. We don't crucify the flesh as we're called to do. The simple reason is that at times Satan gets control of our will. In certain areas of life, he's our Lord and Master. He gets us to do things we know are wrong because they provide us with pleasure, with some kind of satisfaction. And so in our spiritual warfare, the key question we need to address is, why am I attracted to the ways of this world? Why do I do the things that I know are wrong? Often our sinful behavior is motivated by some kind of lack, some deficit within us, because we don't feel respected or loved or connected. We try and fill the emptiness within with some excitement, some stimulation from outside. In our search for fulfillment in life, we're susceptible to Satan's attempts to lead us astray. This brings us to our second point, Christ's victory. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, he came preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. God's beautiful creation of this world was hijacked by Satan's temptations and man's fall into sin. God gave Satan dominion over the hearts and lives of fallen mankind. Yet already in paradise, he promised that the woman's offspring would bruise Satan's head. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus would come to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, Satan opposed him fiercely. We read together part of Mark 1. While teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, a man with an evil spirit confronted Jesus. He said, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked this evil spirit, commanding him to be silent and to come out of the man. After convulsing this man, the evil spirit came out of him. Mark 1.39 shows this was not an isolated occasion. For Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Yet Jesus did not win the victory over Satan by casting out evil spirits. The fact he did so was of tremendous benefit for those who were demon-possessed, as they were set free from bondage. Jesus also cast out demons as a sign of his power and might over the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He did it to show the people of God that he truly was the Messiah sent by God to redeem them. Jesus won the victory over Satan by accomplishing his redemptive work. His victory came through his suffering 
and His death on the cross. Paul writes in Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 that the Father has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's through His suffering and death that Christ paid the price for our sins that He claimed us as His own possession. We call Jesus Lord. Because he and not Satan is our master, the one to whom we owe our allegiance. It's ironic to see how Satan was instrumental in trying to get rid of Jesus of Nazareth. Satan worked in the hearts of the Jewish leaders using envy, bitterness, and anger to cause them to conspire against Jesus. The high priest argued, it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Satan entered into Judas's heart, provoking him to betray his master for 30 pieces of silver. What an absolute shock it must have been when Satan and his evil spirits realized that Christ paid the price for our sins, that he won the victory over them, with his death on the cross. It is especially through the gospel of grace that Christ now establishes the kingdom of God on earth. While the world is still under Satan's dominion, Christ continues to make inroads in the hearts and lives of his people. Christ does that by convicting people of their sins, working repentance in them, bringing them to a living faith in Him. Person by person, Christ begins to establish His reign on this earth. Christ, and not Satan, rules the hearts of His children. He rules over us by His Word and Spirit. It's not that Satan cannot tempt or influence the children of God. The point is, Jesus is our Lord and Master. Satan no longer has mastery. He no longer has dominion over us. Through time, Christ is establishing his kingdom in different places and among different people. At the same time, Satan is fighting a desperate battle, opposing the advance of Christ's kingdom. He's constantly attacking Christ's church, conspiring to, to undermine the truths of the gospel, tempting and leading astray as many people as he can. This brings us to our final point, our calling. Our text calls us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. To do that, we need to have a right perspective on Satan and God and ourselves. When speaking about Satan and his evil forces, it's possible to give the wrong impression about them. Sometimes we give the impression that Satan's on the same level as God. But nothing's further from the truth. Our Heavenly Father is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Satan is only 
uh, created being. God is everywhere present. Satan is limited in time and location. He needs to carry out much of his work through the agency of evil spirits. God is all-knowing. Satan and his forces are limited in knowledge. God is all-powerful. Satan's power is limited and restricted within the confines of what God allows. God is eternal. There's no beginning or end to God's kingdom. But Satan's time is strictly limited until the, t- until the day when Jesus comes back and Satan and all his hosts are cast into the lake of fire. Our great comfort is that Jesus Christ is our victorious king. Through his death on the cross, he has paid for all our sins with his precious blood. And he has freed us from the power of the evil one. Satan has great power on earth. Peter calls him a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But beloved, he's a lion on a leash. Satan couldn't lift a finger against Job without God's permission and will. He could only do to Job what God allowed. Today, Jesus Christ is seated on the throne in heaven above. He's ruling over this world for the sake of his church. Christ rules over the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan and his evil spirits no longer have mastery over us. Do you know why that is? To understand why Satan no longer has mastery, we need to realize our identity in Christ. See, beloved, we are God's redeemed people, bought by the precious blood of our Savior. We're not losers. We're not no-hopers. God has adopted us as his children. He's made us part of his family. He loves us with a deep and an abiding love. He will not let Satan and his demons have mastery over us. In Christ, we've been made righteous and holy. Paul writes that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God has come to live in us through his Spirit. The Spirit helps us to be strong in the Lord, to live for him. Sometimes we may doubt that. At times we really struggle in our battle against sin and Satan. Sometimes there's specific sins that cling to us. There's areas of life where we don't seem to be making much progress in fighting the good fight of faith. So what do you do then? Well, beloved, if you desire the Spirit's influence in your life to be strong... You need to read and to study God's word and to meditate on it. For it's through the Bible that God tells us about himself and his wondrous deeds. It's through the Bible God warns us against the attacks of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. 
It's through the Bible that God teaches us how to fight the good fight of the faith. We also need to pray. Prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness to God. It teaches us to trust and depend on God, not on ourselves. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We need to lay our specific sins and struggles before the throne of grace. We need to talk to God about the desires of our hearts and to pray that we will not give Satan power over us through cheap substitutes. It's by praying to God for his help that the Lord equips us to stand strong in the strength of his might. We should also recognize that one of Satan's favorite tools to try gain power over people is by isolating them. He wants to get us off in a corner on our own. Somewhere he can use his lies and deceit to manipulate us. That's why it's so important for us to be members of Christ's church. Christ promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. The church is Christ's bride. He has done battle to claim her as his own. It's in the church that the gospel is preached, that the sacraments are administered. These are the means of grace by which our faith is strengthened. It's in the church that elders have been charged to care for our souls. As communion of saints, we are responsible for one another. We're there to help and encourage each other in our spiritual battle to restore those who have fallen to sin, to draw back those who are straying. Let me, conclude by, let me conclude, beloved, by reminding you of some of the rich promises that our Lord has made to assure us of our final victory over Satan. In John 10, verses 27 to 29, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. In Romans 8, verse 35, Paul comforts us with the assurance, no one shall separate us from Christ's love. He tells us not even angels, nor rulers, nor powers will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May that comfort help us to stand strong in the Lord in our spiritual warfare. Amen. Let's respond by rising and singing together Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, hymn 53.